For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network in conjunction with the Sampson Family Foundation, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. Now here's Ralph and your host, Mac McDonald. Welcome into Center Court on the Winter Circle Network. It's another fabulous couple days, which uh, we just love. Ralph Sampson is here and a very, very special guest today, Ralph. It's good to see you. College football, but we're kind of transforming into basketball a little bit, but we talk baseball today, so I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You, you've got a big fan that is a part of the show today. You know that. Well, I didn't know it, but I know it now. And, uh, <laughs> Charlie Manu is uh, a guy that, uh, you know, just a, a older guy, but, you know, baseball, the story is going to be amazing. Looking forward to the interview, but uh, wow, what, what a ride, what a story. And you guys out there listening to this should be excited because I am. He was in the area and his family followed you and he became a really big basketball fan. You know, his, his father uh, passed away at a, you know, way too early. He had a, he was the third of 11 children, uh, the oldest son, he was 12 years old and, but he became this four sports star and just became an institution once he got to major league baseball, you know, with the Phillies and, you know, he played, played with the twins, but I was going through some videos he was feisty. Now he he will let the umpires know that things weren't the way he wanted them. Well, Mac, you know now with uh, you know that many siblings, uh, you got to fight at the table to get food and, <laughs> and all the guys. They're gonna be a little feisty, you know, at that table. So interesting to see that. But yeah, he was feisty as a as a uh, manager and. Uh, maybe didn't like those uh, guys and stripes too much, right? <laughs> he uh, he played from 69 to 72 with the Twins, 74 and 75 with the Dodgers. And as I said, he, he became uh, – that was after his minor league stint with the Portland Beavers. But he became uh, really a, a student of the game, and I think that's what made him such a great manager. But even more than that, Ralph, as you know, the people that we've had on this show, leadership skills and the ability to know and understand people has, has been just so – you know, so terrific. Well, I think as a tie to the show we've done, like you said, Mac, is, uh, you know, how they lead, how they, uh, the demeanor, how they got to where they are, uh, what do they look for in other people? I mean, mm -hmm. this one here would, would be interesting to see how he views the, at the scouts player, the looks of players, or gets a feel for being a manager or a coach or a musician or whoever we have on have this feel. And that's, that's the thing that's important to, I think all of us, when we learn something from these people that how they became successful. You know, you were, you know, we talked a lot about you being at Phoenix and you were kind of that player personnel guy uh, and probably, you know, writing up reports and talking to people, Ralph, probably all your life. Have you had a, a pretty good feel for, for teammates? And then even when you were mentoring some of the younger players, well, I mean, it had evolved over, you know, from Coach Berge, my mom and dad, to Coach Holland, to all my NBA 
coaches, you learn something every step of the way, no matter where you are. But you got to be really uh, in tune with the game and love it and have a passion. You know, I was been at some of the University of Virginia basketball practices, and uh, there's guys out there that have a feel, but it's you know early in the season, still weeding it out. They're still young guys mm-hmm. and have to get a understanding of what any coach is doing. And then they have to really want to apply it in their life on a day-by-day basis. And I always say, even in the camps I had in the summer, is that, you know, you make your bed up every day. You know, do you make your bed today? Some mm-hmm. people say yes, some people say no. But in life, you know, those are, to me, some of the most important things you do. It's the little things that lead to the great things. Ah, good stuff. Well, he had a magical run with the Phillies after his stint with the Indians. He is Charlie Manuel. He is a character. And he is worth a listen. Ralph and I come back on the Winter Circle Network. This is Center Court with the one, the only Charlie Manion, right around the corner. Hi, this is Mac McDonald, host of Center Court. I've known Ralph Samson for over 40 years. I watched him grow as a basketball player, achieving greatness at the University of Virginia and at the professional level. I always admired his work ethic and the things he did to be the best. Since he founded the Samson Family Foundation, so many people, young and old, have benefited from Ralph's efforts. The mission for the foundation is simple, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. The foundation promotes charitable and community input, educational development, health and fitness, and scholarship opportunities. The Samson Family Foundation's initiatives focus on patients with cancer, educational scholarship programs, and give students guidance in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. If you'd like to learn more, call 540-615-5097. The website is samsonfamilyfoundation.org. Uplift, empower, educate. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. Talking about Bill of the Cap to the Bill of the Cap. Charlie is red hot. That's what they call beacon. Yeah, when he runs out like that, he is really smoking. I haven't seen him this no, long time. Second time this year, Charlie's been ejected. Welcome into the Winner's Circle Network, and this is Center Court. And Ralph, a very special guest today. I'm going to, what I'm going to do is throw it to first because you were a heck of a first baseman and I'll let you do the honor. Well, coach, I was a, uh, I was a better baseball player than I was a basketball player in my earlier days. And I pitched, I can you imagine a six foot five sidearm pitcher that would throw a sidearm and it would curve and then it stopped curving on the right-hand batters and would hit people. So they, <laughs> so they moved me to first, they moved me to first base and I was catching the ball with my ungloved hand. My mother said, uh, you fool, you need to catch it with the glove because you're going to break your hand. Then they moved me to outfield, and the rest is history. I just moved on to baseball after that. So thanks for being on our show today. It's an honor for me to talk to you as well. But you were telling us before we started, you had some recollections of me as a freshman in high school. And I have no – I can't remember back that far, but what do you remember about Ralph Sampson? And then, you know, would, would, would I have been a good baseball player, you know, at that point in time? Because I love <laughs> the game of baseball. Yeah, you know, uh, let me tell you something. I, I, I would have loved to come and uh, watch you play baseball because uh, I'm a kind of guy, you know, like I think I can figure everybody out. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like for, for your size and everything, I can't imagine, uh, you, you know, like what you could have done off the mound. You, no. you would have been, been intimidated just by your size. <laughs> and, uh, really. But at the same, hey, uh, also at, at, at the same time, too, you know, like, uh, uh, I saw Dale Carey, Carey when he was uh, when he was, yeah. he was playing in high school, and then when, 
then somebody told me he was a pitcher and I went to see him and he threw like 93 miles an hour, you know, like, and that wasn't bad back then. And I thought, you know, I, I thought, Hey, uh, Dale Curry can, can play baseball really. But, it, uh, but, but also Ralph, you know, uh, when I think about it, uh, I got to know you, but, uh, because of my brothers and sisters, you know, like, uh, they follow the Valley League, you know, like uh, I used to play in what they call oh, yeah. Valley League. Same Absolutely. League you, mm-hmm. Valley League. And, and uh, you know, like b- back when I played, it was 1B. And you like and they moved Buena Vista into a lower lower bracket. At, I don't know, but uh, maybe five, six years after I uh, left high school. And, uh, you know, like and, and, and I, I don't think they were in the Valley League when you played. And, uh, 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 you know, like I can remember when you played and I can remember uh, I did see you play one time in high school. I saw you probably five or six times at the University of Virginia. Wow. Well, Charlie, that's a heck of a strike zone, though, right? You would have <laughs> you, you could have pitched around that strike zone, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, like it all depends. <laughs> I bet you, I, I, I bet you, Ralph could have been a good hitter, man. Well, I play, I play, I play softball a lot. Mike uh, yeah. an uh, epic softball game there, University of Virginia with Coach Holland and the crew. So I used to love to play softball and play first base, and I can hit the ball pretty good most of the time as yeah. well. So, but you know, but baseball is my definitely was my first love, and then obviously basketball kind of, yeah. I kind of grew out right. of baseball, right? Yeah, right. When I went to high school, uh, Ralph, basketball was my love. I mean, actually, my, my big love was basketball, but uh, I also, I, I, I love baseball ever since I was a little boy. But now basketball, once I got into high school, you know, like I, I took a liking to that probably more than baseball. And the re, uh, uh, my dad passed away when I was like a junior in high school. And, you know, like and we had all these, we had, uh, like I said, we had 11 kids in our family. And I got a bonus to play baseball. And, you know, like, and I signed and, you know, like, and, and, and uh, actually I went to play. Mm-hmm. But that, uh, but baseball was definitely one of my sports. I played, uh, I mean, was a big sport to me, but basketball is the number one sport. I also right. played football okay. at the same time. Basketball was my love. I kept up with you your whole career. Man, Mike, we got a three-sport <laughs> athlete here, Mac. Baseball, football. Yeah, he did He did it all. And really the, the legendary Charlie Manuel with us. And Charlie played, I think it was over parts of six major league baseball seasons for the twins and the Dodgers. Yeah. And then, you know, spent some time in Japan and, uh, you know, remained a family guy. And then Charlie, of course, the, the long run with the Phillies organization. And what was it about that? What was it about the game of baseball that you embraced though, once you got so heavily involved in it? I think, I think that I, uh, I, I had a huge passion and it was very competitive. You know, like when you got a bat in your hand, you know, like uh, it's it's just between you and the pitcher. Of course, there's guys out there trying to feel the ball and everything like that. But it became it became something that I wanted to master and I wanted to be good at it. And uh, I put a lot of time into it. And my career in the major leagues, you know, my, my first year as a when I uh, as a rookie, uh, I broke my ankle about after the first month of the season playing in Chicago. And after that, you know, like I knocked around for like six years in the big leagues and. And actually, I was like a three-player move. You know, like I was a pinch hitter back then. You know, like, and I in uh, uh, had a limp, and probably the I would say the story of my career was when I went to Japan, and I was a kind of a limp-legged right fielder. And about about the first month there, I was I was running up along the fence in right field to catch a foul ball, and my left leg got caught up underneath a pad, and I pulled I pulled my leg. And my shoe came off, and I stepped on a water pipe. And you, wow. and, and before that, I had a, I had like a, a, a pin in my leg, 
for about five or six years, you know, when I was player. So then when I pulled my, when my shoe got uh, hung and I pulled it off and stepped on this uh, uh, sprinkler system, a perforated pipe, it almost cut my heel completely off. And they operated on me and, and they took the pin out of my leg, but they also reconstructed the top of my foot. And I was able to play another six years. Wow. Uh, that, <laughs> that's kind of the good and bad, Mac. I, I, I got a bad accident, but then I got reconstructed. I played six more years. Yeah, yeah. Did, you, did, did you get the surgery in Japan? Did they do it over there? Or did you board you back to the States? Hey, Ralph, I got the surgery when I was in Japan. And, and there was another player of our name, Davey Johnson, at that time. Oh, yeah. He told me I was crazy. He said, "What are you doing? Let these people cut on you." <laughs> but, but, but I didn't have a choice, you know. Like, but you know, my leg, you know, like it, it was it was messed up real bad, and you're like, and, right, right, uh, yeah, you couldn't but, get it, couldn't get a flight back. Yeah, you know, they something they reconstructed reconstructed my whole kind of my whole ankle, and actually, I got to uh, I, I got to the place where I could you know beat ground balls out and everything running, you know, like oh, I, wow. I, I actually I can. Uh, I could, I think that because of the discipline part of, of, of practicing the stuff in Japan was definitely what helped me, you know, like uh, get better and things like that, really. Charlie, a lot of guys go to Japan. A lot of American players play over there. What was that experience like? Did you enjoy it over there? I, I enjoyed it after my first year. I went there, you know, because, you know, like, uh, uh, I'd never made any money in the States and, you know, like, and I, and I, I wasn't making a lot of money and they offered me 160 grand and I went there, uh, to play, you know, like, and I, uh, I didn't know what to expect, but the first year I was there, it was real hard. The culture and everything was mm -hmm. very difficult for me. And, uh, of course, uh, when I, when I hurt my leg, you know, like I was out for a long time and actually I thought at the end of the year, that they're going to tell me probably to go home. But, but when I, the first day after I got home, they called me and asked me, told me that, that they wanted me back. Yeah. And, uh, probably, uh, that's probably where our first story will come in. They called me and I thought to myself, there's no way they're going to bring, take me back over. I hit about 244 <laughs> or something like that, about 14 or 15 home runs. And, you know, and I thought no way they're going to take me back, but you know, they called me and they, and they wanted me to come back. And I never will forget this. The interpreter on the telephone told me, he says, my manager said, if we can get you to hit the ball in the game like you do in practice, <laughs> we got us a good player. Yeah. And, I, <laughs> and Ralph, I thought to myself, well, no kidding. You're like, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sure I wouldn't be a good player if I could hit like I do in practice. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Like, make a long story short, uh, you know, like I stayed there six years. And actually it was – Financially and everything like that, turned my whole career around. I had a chance to come back to the states at one time with the Chicago White Sox, uh, but I turned it down because uh, they were not going to pay me the money that I was getting. Now, so you, because you said the culture there was a little bit different. I actually have a son in Japan right now. Is that right? In a fourteen-day quarantine plan, but what is? I know it might be a little different today than back then, but what was the culture like that made it so hard for you? I think it. Uh, it was uh, understanding and, uh, you know, like just uh, uh, what you call it, just uh, just their style, uh, their philosophy on things. And, uh, you know, uh, actually, I couldn't sleep at night, man. I was, you know, like I felt like, you know, like uh, it's hard to explain how I felt. I, I felt like I was so far away, you know, like and everything was different. It, really, when I got off the plane that night in Japan, when I, I got in there about one o'clock in the morning when I first arrived, if I could have if I, if I knew where I was at, I probably left. 
<laughs> but but not but i'm glad i stuck it out but at the same time you know like it's just their style of living i'm sure your son if he stays there a while he'll probably tell you he likes it because yeah. you know like after about a year or so you know like when i got used to it yeah i really i mean i really enjoyed it. i really liked playing there and everything it was and it uh, actually changed my whole career around charlie do you have any issues with squirrels running across the field and what did you say to the umpire when that happened I, there's not too much I can do about a squirrel running across the field. I, you know, I don't know what I can do about that. Of course, being from the south and uh, being a squirrel hunter, if I had a gun there, I might have do something. I, I'm a pretty good shot. You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Once again, here's Ralph and Mac. Welcome back, Winner's Circle Network and Center Court with Ralph Sampson. And we're honored to have one of the greats in baseball, Charlie Manuel. Our guest, Charlie, when did you get the itch to manage and when did you feel that you would be a great major league manager and handle a ball club? Well, you know what? Uh, once I quit playing in Japan, I came back. I came back to the States and, uh, you know, like I'd never I'd always been to spring training. Uh, I would say for about uh, what, almost 20 years, 15. Uh, well, yeah, for about for, for, for about 20 years, you know, like I'd always been. Uh, going to spring training is along about end of January. And uh, uh, George Brophy, the guy, uh, he was the president of the Minnesota's uh, team at that time. He's a big Irish guy. And he had, he had something to do with signing me when I was a kid. And he called me and asked me if I, if I would want to come to work with the Minnesota twins, you know, like, and, and I asked him what I was going to do. And he said, I don't, he says, I don't know. He says, just get down here. We'll, and, and, we, and we'll figure it out when you get here. And their spring training was in Melbourne. So I think that was in 1982, you know, like I went, I went to spring training. I was, I was happy to get back in baseball and uh, I, I became a cross checker scout that year. And also a track, uh, like a, a roving hitting instructor. And I did that one year. And then I started managing in Wisconsin Rapids in 1980, 82, 83. I'm sorry. Yeah. And you know, like, and I got back on the field and I managed 10 years in the minor leagues. 10 years in the minor leagues. That's uh that's amazing to make that jump from the minor to the majors. But in yeah. the minor leagues, because I went to training camp with the San Diego Padres a number of years ago, and I know the owner out there, it amazed me of the facility they had in, in, in Phoenix. And, you know, it's all cultures, all everything right there, and all the players. So in your mind, I know you've seen the baseball evolve like we've seen basketball evolve. But take us through the process because you go and watch baseball players now and, and you evaluate those young kids and then become a major leaguer. It's a different process in the baseball than in basketball because you got the triple A, you got double A, you got single A ball. Uh, you guys get kids out of high school, take them through this process, get kids from all over the world. So how do you evaluate the game now to get players that can become a major leaguer? But uh, now, now is a, a, a completely different from, from you know, like the days when I first started managing. Uh, the, I mean, baseball is always having some kind of change, Ralph. And, you know, t today it's definitely different from what it was five years, six years ago, uh, especially since we got analytics, you know, like the analytics brought all this information into the game, you know, like to create, they wanted to create uh, factual things and also uh, kind of improve, you know, like all the scouting systems and things like that. And uh, back then, oh, you know, like, the, when I managed in the minor leagues, you know, like I was given a team and I was very fortunate Ralph, because the, the guys that I worked for, you know, like they would give me a team and they would just look at me and say, that's your team. Now, now you go develop some players. 
and you like, and my, my, my boss used to tell me, he says, don't tell me how many prospects you got. said, cause if you miss it, he said, I'm going to grade you on that. Right, really. Right, right. <laughs> so really, so I, I did that for like 10 years and I loved every bit of it. Nobody ever told me what to do. And I just taught baseball. I taught all the fundamentals of baseball. And I spent mostly, I was a, a 24 hour day baseball guy. And I, and I worked as hard as anybody could ever work. But it, to me, it's, I've never gone to work. But at the same time, I put a lot of time into managing in the minor leagues and development players. And I am a player development guy. You know, like the play, I, you know, like we develop players in the minor leagues. And when I say we, it was a team, and it's working together. It's working together with your coaches, but also too, it's, it's putting a lot of time in with uh, with your players and also building relationships with them. And I spent a lot of time with them and I was very fortunate. I always had talent around me, you know, like, and like when I'm talking about talent, I was ta I'm talking about those guys that we had over in Cleveland when I had Jimmy Tommy, Albert Bell, I had all these big league players, Kenny mm -hmm. Lofton, you know, like I had, I had all, we, we had all this talent and uh, in order to be real good at your job, you know, like you definitely got to have good players. And I was very fortunate through the minor leagues when I worked with the uh, twins that, that they left me alone. And also, you know, just just let me have my own own team. I, uh, nowadays, you know, like you, uh, I don't think you ever see anything like that, really. You think general managers make too much? I mean, they they're too involved, Charlie, with the game today. I'll tell you this then uh, about uh, when I managed the all star teams in uh, nine and ten in in uh, in, 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 the, in the National League. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, for about an hour each time uh, each year, I sit down with. Uh, 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 Bud Seeley, the uh, president of uh, baseball, uh, I'm a commissioner of baseball, and we when we was talking about baseball, and he was telling me back then, he says, and I didn't really know, really think about it for till two or three years later. He was telling me about the changes that was going to be in baseball, and he says uh, the manager is going to give up some of his power, and the general manager and the president of the team is going to make more money than he is and all this. And, you know, mm -hmm. like, I, I mean, I, you know, I heard him, but I wasn't paying a lot of attention to it. And then also all of a sudden I want to say like in two twelve, two thirteen, I started seeing all this movement in the game. And that's when, you know, like the game started changing, yeah. but also I'd say one of the biggest things about the game. Now the game is more, it's uh, it's more kind of uh, it's more about uh, they try to draw, the fans come to see players nowadays, like big name players, and you know, like, and I don't think they think about the winning, the winning part of it. Sometimes you'll question whether that that uh, th th that is the first priority of the game. And when I managed, I can tell you this: about for twenty, but the year ten years I managed in the minor leagues, the ten, the ten or eleven years I was in the big leagues, we managed. I managed to win every every day, every every game, mm -hmm. every day. And, you know, like, and, and I, that's definitely changed. And also the discipline part of the game, if you notice nowadays when they play, everything is jumping up and it's happy. It's more of a comedian kind of atmosphere. And back then when I, before I came off the field, everything was serious and you like, and it was very professionalism. And nowadays it's, it's you know, like it's, it's changed, whether it's for the good or the bad, I don't know, but, but uh, you know, like, it seems like this generation kind of likes you know, like all the, what do you call it? The emotions. The hoopla. Yeah, the hoopla. The hoopla. Yeah. Social <laughs> media. It's called social yeah. media. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. And a lot of swag, you know, like you've got to have a be a good player, things like that. But, you know, like I said, I don't know if that's, that's wrong or right or whatever, 
but you know, like for, for me, you know, like I was never in that part of the game. If that makes sense to you, it's social media and the hype and whatever, and it's more hype than it is the game. I mean, you have a passion like I do about basketball. You you like right. the game and the art of game. And in basketball, the art of game is going away. Maybe like in baseball, right. Right. where you got right. all these players, you got to play. But what makes today you see the you see the difference? I'm sure even more prevalent now than you you saw back in the, back in those days that you managed. What makes a good major leaguer today? That you can, if you had to go out and see a player, pitcher, first baseman, outfielder, what would the characteristics of a major league baseball player be in your mind today that can make it in the major league? He has to have he has to have talent. And you know, like in, uh, to me, like when I see a guy play, you know, like I, he he's got to have have the tools. You know, like you hear the guys say a five-two player or whatever things like this. That means he can run, he, he can throw, and you know, like he can hit, he can hit with power. And uh, I mean, um, plus he's got all the in, intangibles and things like that. And you look at, and also Camille uh, is to get before you really sign a player. To me, like I, I would, you know, like I like to look at him if, uh, and, and talk to him, and you know, like and, and get to know him. You know, like I, I just don't go see him play one time. I'll go back and see him three or four times. And you know, like and uh, you know, like I want to know who he is and you know, like what he's all about things like that. And then you uh, watch him play and you think, yeah, you know, like this is the guy I want, you know, like you, uh, like when I go see somebody like uh, uh, for, for an example, um, so, so, so uh, Soto, the guy in Washington, everybody knows he can hit, you know, yeah. like, you know got to do is watch him hit. So, you know, you, but at the same time, he also has got tools to be a real good player. But I, I always wanted to, to master my craft and you know, like and look for the best players I possibly could find. And, uh, you know, some of the years that uh, that I managed, I was very fortunate. If you, uh, when, when I was a hitting coach, you know, like I was very fortunate to have great hitters, especially like in Cleveland and Philadelphia. And, you know, like we put uh, we used to have like a machine, you know, like we could score. You, you it was hard for you to go down in our, deep in deep in our lineup and get us out because you know we 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 were going to score some runs off of you. We had that good a team, and and when I'm scouting or something like that, I look for players that's high ceiling. You know, like that, that 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 are tool players, not 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 just uh, uh, big hitters or something. You know, like uh, uh, we we are we're starting to get away from the defense of the game and. Uh, and also the fundamental parts of it and situational hitting part of a game and face sure. running like that, it's become more of a show. And uh, I, 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 I don't mind a show player, but at the same time, if you play good, you will be the show. One of the first best hitting drills I can tell you to do is when you're taking batting practice, keep the knob of the bat or your hands above the baseball. By doing that, it, it also will give you good balance. Hands above the ball or, or knob above the ball is a, definitely a good way to smooth you out and get good free swings at the baseball and be able to see it good. The Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation present Center Court with Ralph Sampson. Uplift, empower, educate. It's center court on the Winter Circle Network. Our guest, the great Charlie Manuel, former Phillies manager, played baseball in Japan and really has had a wonderful career and now scouting the state of Florida and, you know, just trying to find that 
that diamond in the rough. I always think in the movie Trouble with the Curve, Clint Eastwood could hear that that catcher's mitt pop, and and he knew. So, Charlie, I'm, I've got to ask: when you're trying to scout a player, when you're when you're looking for that special talent, can you give us a secret as to really what you are looking for? Well, you know, first of all, usually usually when I I used to scout, I used to carry a watch with me, get the to kind of get his speed to first base and things like that. But really, I didn't have to. I mean, really, you know, like I sat there, I seen so much baseball and I, and I would, and I, I always have a, had a saying in the major leagues when I was a manager, watch the game, watch the game. And it, that, that tells you everything. And you know, like, uh, you know, like I can look at a player and you know, like, and, and I, and, and plus when I talk to him, I can get a lot more out of it. I let him talk to, it's a relationship. It's kind of that you can build. Mm-hmm. I, I I've always figured I could talk to anybody, you know, like I, if I'm, if when I was a player, I didn't want to, uh, I, I didn't want to go over here and talk to somebody hitting 200. I wanted to talk to Ted Williams. I wanted to talk, <laughs> uh, I want, you know, like I want to talk to somebody that was good, you know, like Stremsky or Al Kaline or you know, people like Aaron or Willie Mays, you know, like, you know, like, I, Hey, I didn't, uh, I, I would just, just totally walk up and start talking to you. And I can go right now. I can go to high school and college games. And most of the time I get to sit on a bench with them because they'll invite me down there. You know, like I know I'm 77 years old now, but at the same time, it's still a good, warm feeling, you know, just to get down there and get to talk to them. I also, you know, like I always look for things positive about, you know, like uh, about someone when I meet them. And actually, and uh, 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 Ralph, I've always had, uh, I've always been real, I've always had, uh, I want to say this right, I've always had uh, real, what do you call it, real timing when it comes to, uh, a player that you know, like that, sometimes that that you think it, that that you got to discipline or or get to him, or something like that. You know, like I've always been able to, you know, like you know, like to to talk to that guy and and actually, you know, kind of bring him over to our team if that makes sense. If you understand what I'm talking yeah, absolutely, about, absolutely, absolutely. Sometimes when I when I uh, meet a kid that's that's an amateur and I, if I don't if I don't like the way he talks or something like that that still doesn't make me run from him. You know, like he, he becomes more of a challenge for me, I think really, because, you know, like I, you know, like I look at a guy that can be a real good player and things like that. And I've had guys in the, and once I got to the big leagues as a coach, I've had guys that would tell you, would tell me, well, this guy here, you know, like he, you know, like he, uh, he didn't, doesn't put it all out. I don't feel for him, blah, blah, and things like that. Well, it's kind of, that was kind of my job to me, like was, was actually to, to win that guy over to, you, you know, like to take all of his energy, got it, and you know, like to put it into the team and on the field. And, you, you know, like, and I, and, and I've been very fortunate about that. I think sometimes there's a lot of people, especially at, at you know, at, in, 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 in our industry, our organizations or our industry, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think that they really see the bright side of who I am, you know, but because I do, you know, like I, I, I love about every baseball player to ever play. You know, like if, if I'm playing a game tonight, if we play a game today and Reggie Jackson or uh, somebody hits a long home run on us, I'll say something stupid in the dugout. You know, I, I, <laughs> you know, I look over at hey, Ralph, I look over and I say, you know, the greatest thing about that was I got to see that. And, and the guys look over at me and say, who are you pulling for, coach? So, exactly, I, exactly, I've exactly. Able, I've always been able to kind of, you know, like uh, get to someone. I can be tough. You know, like mentally tough, or, or, or and I, but I also too, I can build you up, and I and I think 
to get the most out of people is that's what really uh, that's what it really inspires me to be a good coach. You know, like nobody ever has to put my name in the paper. Nobody ever has to pat me on my back. I, when I see a kid do something that we talked about and worked on and things like that, that's all the enjoyment in, in, in the world that I need. You know, really, wow, I mean, wow. I, I mean, I'm a hundred percent that way. I'm, and I mean that I'm still that same person. I've been that kind of player ever since I was in high school. So I know you're doing some other stuff these days, but something called down the line with Charlie and Bo. Yeah. <laughs> you, you take those same though, Mac. He has the name of his show. So you, uh, you you do that now, and I know you enjoy doing it. That I hear, yeah. right? And that, that so you you bring the yeah. same acumen to your show and teaching. Tell us about the show and what do you do? Well, with I, well actually, when our show started, that right there was what it, what it, or that's what we wanted to be. We wanted to be uh, Larry and I working, you know, like just corresponding with 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 fans, our people, people mm. in general. It does, you know, just going out and meeting people in general, and, and actually letting them talk to us, and and, and you know, like uh, I like it; it's good. But I can tell you this, Ralph: I'm not going to be an actor. <laughs> <laughs> I get, uh, yeah, I get the feeling that you're not going to pull any punches. So, that's, uh, Charlie Manuel is our guest. Charlie, so when you're looking at somebody down there, talk, can you scout heart? Can I scout heart? Yeah, can you see it? Can you feel it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, but also, you know, like uh, I think it. Uh, but also too, I think it. You can, uh, if someone, like for someone to me, to, I'll take baseball for instance, because that's one. That's what I've always done. Yeah. If you if you come into baseball and you don't know, you know, like, and you you don't have the drive or you don't have the incentive to want to be, you know, a, 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 a big, a tough player, a mentally tough guy or something like that i think that you can be taught that but it's hard mm -hmm. and and uh i think that that becomes real uh i mean that that becomes a challenge but at the same time i've seen i've seen players change i've had uh, I'm, I'm a lot i'm a lot tougher than i had i was more disciplinary in the big leagues i was tougher than people ever gave me credit for i was not just uncle charlie you know like i could jump on you and you know, you know like and things like that and i've seen people react and really, and go out there and overcome, you know, like, for instance, I would say sometimes there's pitchers that you see and at, when they throw the ball, you know, like they start walking and you, you can see how nervous they look and they start trembling and they're going to give in, you know, like, and, mm -hmm. and, but at the same time, you could, they all, some of those guys, you know, you can, you can get them out of that. A lot of them you can't, but, but a lot, but a lot of them you can. And, and, uh, and, and there again, it, you know, like it comes from building relationships and really, you know, like having, uh, you know, show them confidence and keep running them out there for a while. Let them, you know, like let them play a while. You, you in the dugout, you see a pitcher come off the mound and you got a relationship with him. You know if, if he's in a groove or not. With, and back, back in those days, there was no analytics involved, right? right. You know, right. you know a pitch count, but there was right. no analytics. But you got to know the person. So I, I right. always right. fight the analytical <laughs> process today that we have to use in, in every sport. But right. that's just a gut instinct to me that you had. You build right. that with the players you had, and then yeah. you have a player come off the mound, and you know how to point and say, "Look, you can right. either pat him on the back, or you get in right. his tail and right. motivate exactly. him one way or another." That's a unique ability. We need it. We need Mac. We need that's the analytics we need to create. <laughs> exactly. Right. You know what? We got you got twenty five guys on the roster. Every every one of those guys are different. Right. Hey, look. Hey, you know, like uh, 
uh, some of those guys, hey, Ralph, some of those guys I can get in the bar hug, you know, like I can play around with them. They'll hit me back and things, really. And they, uh, they, but some of them you got to be really, you know, you got to be kind of sensitive with. But that, but now that doesn't mean that that guy that's sensitive is not a mentally tough guy when, when you know, like when he's out on the field. But at the same time, you, that's that's that that that's knowing the people and you and uh, you like kind of knowing you know like uh, you know how to handle them. You know, like yeah, I always yeah. go every day at the ballpark when the players would come in, I'd always be there and I'd go around in the locker room and everything like that, and I would touch uh i would have you know like uh you know eyesight with every guy in the room and you would say something to him or something like that or or uh you know like or and you know, like and it wouldn't be about baseball you know like it'd be about something funny or you know or you know like you know like something good or you know like uh ask them what kind of food they had or, or, or hear somebody talking about where they ate and everything like that and I'd, right, go right, and right. Get I'd always work into the conversation things like that and you walk away from them and all of a sudden you know, like you'd be surprised when when they hear you say something. You know, like how much that helps them, and you know, you know, like and it, it is. It, it's a field. It, 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 that's exactly what it is. And and I think I've always had that when I was a kid playing. You know, really. You know, like I was. You know, like I'm a leader, and I want, and I've always wanted to be a leader. And but at the same time, too, I like to give people. I like to give people their their space, and you know, like. And also give them time to think about, you know, like what they want to do and, you know, how, how good they want to be and things like that. And Mike, I can only I can only imagine like, OK, I go up to Hakeem Olajuwon. He had a great game that night. OK, what did you eat that night? Because you need to eat that every night. <laughs> but they <laughs> most stories. So who do you think in all of your years? And, and this is always the question. Who, everybody said, well, who's the best that has ever played? But who's the best you've ever coached, in your opinion, and why? I've had uh, I've had some great hitters. You know, like Tommy and I've coached. I, I, actually, I, I coached Eddie Murray and Winfield and them, but they already had. You know, they were in their prime when I got them. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think guys like Albert Bell, Kenny Lofton, Manny Ramirez, uh, Kirby Puckett. Uh, you yeah. know, like I can keep going. You know, like uh, 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 Howard, Jimmy Rollins, Utley. But I'd say, but uh, there's two players that really. The first player's got to be Kirby Puckett. And the reason is because he's full of life. He's, he's lovable, you know, like, and everything about him's real. And not only that, he was a hell of a player. And you like, and, and he definitely could, could, could carry you. And, uh, and he had a tremendous attitude, great preparations about the game. And then the other guy would be Chase Utley. Utley, Utley was nothing. The only thing you can say about Utley is he's, he's prepared. He loves to play. He's a, he he he's a guy that's going to show up every day, and he's a guy that's going to make sure that he's ready to go play the game right. And uh, he don't say a whole lot, but he leads by example, by hustling yeah. and, and 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 just the passion he has to play. No, great stuff. Oh, wow. Uh, before we let you go, quickly, Charlie, what was your philosophy with the with the men in blue? Yeah. <laughs> well, if, if you go back to look and see who got thrown out the most as the uh, Philly manager, you're going to find my name there. I got, I have some, I had some umpires that are, are very, you know, like, you know, like I laugh and joke with them, everything like that, but really I've never liked an umpire. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds uh, a little like Terry Holland, Ralph. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Never liked the breath. Never liked the breath. But really, you know, like, Hey, uh, I think the umpire, uh, I, I think the umpires, you know, like they got a tough job, of course, and you know, like, and, and 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 they have to do that day in and day out. And you got to understand, 
they will make miss some calls sometimes and things like that. But mm. as a whole, you know, like um, most of them, I, you know, like uh, I'll, I'll take my hat off to them. You know, like there's a place when you got to look at the umpire and say, hey, this, this guy's pretty good. You, you know, like we need we need people like him to do their job. But That's now, awesome. Like I, I can turn on you quick. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Ralph, we need about, we need about four more hours with, uh, oh, no, with no, Charlie no. Manuel. Charlie, thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. Yeah. And uh, we wish all yeah. the best. And we hope you find that diamond in the rough. You know, yeah, yeah. I hope you if find I, if that I find one, Coach, I'm going to send him to you. I, I look at uh, hey, kids all the time. I hope I'm going to find one. I'm going to send hey, you if I can get that. Hey, hey Ralph, I'm going to tell you something. The only thing would be better uh, than uh, talking to you here today would be to meet you. Well, all right, I, one of these days, day, we'll get there. We'll get the hey, Phillies hey, game. We'll come up. Hey, we'll come up. I'm going to tell you something. Like I told you, I am your biggest fan. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, look, got, we'll set that up. Yeah, got to love it. Charlie, thanks. thank you so yeah. much for your time today. Yeah, thank you. It's good to see you. Thank you so much. It just doesn't get any better than the one, the only, Charlie Manuel. This is Senate Court on the Winter Circle Network. Ralph and I come right back after these words. To get into sportscasting, you need experience just to get your foot in the door. I can't tell you how many times in my career somebody will ask me, how do I get into your business? How do I become a sportscaster? The first thing I ask is, what have you done? Do you have any experience? And the answer is normally nothing yet because they couldn't find a program that provided the real world experience that you need to get started. So I set out to create a program designed for the next wave of sportscasting talent. And my partner was an obvious one. Full Sail University, great track record in entertainment and media, great alumni group, and the ability to evolve as the industry changes. We're offering a bachelor's degree that combines the professional expertise that my fellow sportscasters and I have built our careers on with the technologies shaping the world of sports. To succeed in this business, you have to be ready for what's next. But the core of great sportscasting I don't think will ever change. And this program brings it all together. It's the Winter Circle Network and Center Court with Ralph Sampson. I'm still smiling. Uh, I could talk to, as I said in the interview, I could talk to Charlie Manuel all day. You know, he's a guy I'd like to spend some time with, and he's hanging around the Florida State League, which is almost in my backyard. The land and Lakeland, Winter Garden. <laughs> I mean, it's and they're playing a lot of games. I've got to start searching and see, or at least check his schedule, because uh, I would love to talk baseball with Charlie Manuel some more. What a great guy, huh? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I mean, the story, the... I mean, the, the, the most amazing one was when it hurt itself over in Japan and had got an operation in place six more years. I mean, yeah. you, you got to have a little grit, Mac, to, to, to go through uh, a surgery like that in a foreign country and then come back and then come back the next year and they offer you another contract more than what you could have made in the major leagues here in the United States. So, I mean, you can see why he's successful in what he does and what he's been through. Uh, even today, it being a scout, uh, lovely Florida sunshine, whatever he deserves, all he gets right now because of the kind of person he he is and how he treats the game of baseball and his passion for the game as well. You can see it, you can feel it. Yeah, and then during the late uh, 2000s, of course, and it was uh, 08 when he managed the Phillies to their second world title. So uh, he certainly got redemption. But the one, the only Charlie Manuel, he was. Very, very special. Well, a lot's going on with uh, the big guy. I want to ask you for I know you stopped by the Virginia basketball practice this week. You want to give us an update or a report, a scouting report? Is this team going to be any good? Uh, well, you know, I'm 150% believer in Tony Bennett and what he does. The practices were just 
to the point, right? I mean, mm-hmm. He gets it done. Everything has a meaning. Every drill has a meaning because, you know, Mac, when we when we practice, we could go a couple a couple hours, you know, we go tell them like, okay, we go until we get it done. You got to be very precise in your practice times in today's basketball world, especially at the college level, because you only have so many hours a week to practice. I'm like, right. this is crazy. I want to be good and I can only practice a little bit. If I want to get more, then the guys got to do it on their own, which is kind of crazy, but it is what it is. But the practice was very precise. Got a lot of talent. Got two or three big guys, which I'm excited about. <laughs> um, jump out of the gym and play, but they got it. They little, little, little rough and little raw, but I think they will be extremely good. Yes, absolutely. Uh, that's that's good stuff. Um, I know you've got a tournament. Uh, before we go, I know you've got a tournament coming up. Um, uh, the Ralph Sampson Classic. Uh, looking forward to it. You could add a couple of more teams. Uh, Ralph, what? How did this come about, and and how excited are you about this tournament? You know, Mike, we started the year off wanting to have two, two, two events, and after COVID and things stopped, uh, the first one short a little bit, but this one will hopefully will get off. But, uh, you know, different type of event. Is, everybody has these AU tournaments and things around the country, and we just want to do a little something different. So we have the Invitational Classic, and next week or so is uh, coming down the pike here very mm. quickly. And so I'm excited about it. But the difference maker is just how we do the games and how we do the sessions. I'll do some sessions with the kids off the court, do some sessions with them on the court. Uh, and we'll just get there and have some fun, enjoy the game of basketball, but have a good weekend over at Horizon's Edge uh, in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And they can go to horizonsedgeva.com and find out about the tournament, right? The Ralph Sampson Classic. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Sign up there. Go sign up and uh, let's have some fun. I guess teams over 60 years old are not allowed. We, I couldn't put together a team, I guess. Right? Yeah, we might, we might have a tournament for that. I know, I know the feel. Uh, Mike, I was, I was shooting on, I thought I could shoot on uh, last week, and I, uh-huh. went out, I, t- I tweaked my back a little bit. But, uh, Uh-oh. Uh, not, you know, we would have to play half court. We not good. Court. Ralph's playing hurt but we're playing for the weekend. So, hey, Stick, have a good couple of days. I'll see you next week. All right. For Ralph Sampson, I'm Mac McDonald, and that's Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. You've been listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Our podcast is available on the Believe Network at BLEAV.com. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. For more information, log on to SampsonFamilyFoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. Teamwork makes the dream work. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.